boom, coming in hot, chinchy. How we yes. doing, brother? Ah, see, now you're finally back home. You're back home again. <laughs> fourth, I'm back home, baby. This will be your fourth bed in four days, correct? I don't think yes. I'm just talking out of school there. Yeah. First, let's uh, let's just pick up where we left off yesterday. You were going to the River Palm Terrace, beautiful oh. steak restaurant. Yes. I'd like your order and, and any other orders that impressed you first. Oh, it was so good. Uh, dude, well, first off, I had it for an appetizer. I had the filet mignon with hot peppers. Was a filet mignon incredible. appetizer? Yeah, it was a filet mignon appetizer. Ooh. Like it was almost like, you know, um, cubes, filet mignon yeah. cubed with like hot peppers. Incredible. Had that, and a and a and then also a slice of bacon, which is incredible. They had, oh, like, like the thick appetizer. cut slab. Thick cut, yeah, yeah was so good. steakhouse slab. So we had that. It was so good. Um, we also got the uh, we got half the seafood tower, like. Oysters, okay. shrimp. We got oysters and shrimp. That's a good move because the whole seafood tower, you got to take a loan out. You got to take a loan out for it. That's what I mean. I tried to get the, the, the waiter. I go, well, how much more is it? He goes, well, why don't you get the seafood tower? You get crab and, and lobster. I go, listen, I've been down there. This ain't my first rodeo, bro. <laughs> I go, listen, I, I've, I've got these seafood towers all in the big leagues. You know, Adam Dunn's order them every time we go out. I go, what is it? How much more is a seafood tower? Right. He's like, He's like, just under 100 bucks. I'm like, nah, we'll just take the shrimp and oysters. That's so, so funny. That, yeah. You know my go-to there used to be, I used to get, they used to have a double a double lobster tail appetizer portion that was like little mini lobster tails. I used to crush oh, that yeah. all the time when I went yeah. there. And it wasn't oh, as expensive. You can yeah. walk out of there. You can walk out of there with no shoot, no no shirt, no pants, or anything. Dude, I, <laughs> if I you did. don't last take night. care of yourself. L- oh, last, yeah? last night, I did. You, well, you flipped well, a bill? Yeah. You took the bill? Uh, yeah, I took the bill because I'm okay. my buddy Kev. I had to take it, but but I, I, I <laughs> had to take it. <laughs> I had to take it because he takes it. He takes it all the time. Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, I got to get this. But uh, we also Sarah and I always always split a porterhouse when we go there. Did you do it, it again? Good. You did it last. Yeah, we night? did it again. Oh. Yeah, we did it again. What are your yeah, sides? Really you go good. is it sides a la carte? You get it was what? Really good. You got to get, get a mash. You got to get a mash. I don't really get many sides, dude. I just got that. I got the uh, the salad that they give you, mm-hmm. and I had all those appetizers, so I was I was oh, ready so to you go. Were locked bro. In. I was you were ready locked to go. In. Yeah, I was ready to go. That's so. good. But it was delicious. It was delicious. Like that always. sounds wonderful. Well, one guy who's eating clean and eating good now finally is Carlos Correa. And dude, I sent you this article this morning. We got to give props to our boy uh, Bob Nightingale, right? You know him. Yeah. I know him. Great yeah. dude. Really fun to hang out with on on the road. Um, but he. Uh, he he had this extensive interview article in USA Today. Go look at it if you haven't seen it yet with Scott Boris. Seems like he had like two full hours with Boris and just yeah. grilled him and like back and forth. The two a couple main things came out of this. So we'll start from the start from the top, and we won't talk about this too much because we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Is like he basically was like the Mets. Boris said that the Mets basically screwed up the Carlos Correa deal. By using the Giants agent. Yeah. So let's start there. But we, we have so much more to dive into with this. Yeah. Yeah. What it, it was a great article. It was a great article. But by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if Nightingale and Heyman and those guys are on yes. Boris's payroll. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> He's got he has all right. a million researchers, all these other people. He probably has mm-hmm. some, some of the press on too. <laughs> um, um dude, I think it's an incredible story when you hear it from Boris's point of view of like, you know. They had the deal done with the Giants. Correa's about to do the, uh, you know, the, the the press conference. He's all excited. He's, you know, they're hugging. The family's there. Next thing you know, bam, that, that doctor for San Fran nixes the deal. 
Then they go to the Mets. He calls Stevie Cohen. They have it all lined up. Correa's there. He's fired up. They're about to do the press conference there. They fly him on Stevie Cohen's jet. And I guess the Mets, it sounds like they talked. You know, obviously, this is one side of the story. There's always right. two sides Correct. of the story, folks. And the, the, the truth that. is always somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, from Boris's point of view, he said that they went, he didn't understand it. Because they went, had the deal done for over $300 million with the Mets. Um, you know, the issue has been this right ankle surgery he had in 2014 in the minors. They talked to four different doctors who are, okay, are, are, who are totally fine with everything. They reviewed the charts, the MRIs, the CAT scans. They're all good to go. And then Stevie Cohen and the Mets call the doctor from the Giants. I know. That's the quirk here. That's the quirk. And again, we're getting Boris's side of the story. So, like, you yeah. know, uh, hold, withhold, whatever. But if you're just looking at it from this side of the story, that does not make sense. And Boris, please read this article. He describes in, like, you know, uh, what is it? Song and verse, however you say that term. He basically is just like, we. he took it to like a whole lawyer level and he's a genius. And he's like, negotiating a deal like this, like if they, they already, it was information that they already had. So why are you going back to that? Right. It's a thing that like really stuck in Boris's craw. And I kind of, I'm buying what he's saying on that. And he's like, why are you doing this negotiation knowing that you're going to go back to that guy when you already know his information? So it's right. like it's like you signed the deal. You are already got the wheels in motion. I think that's what pissed Boris off the most, right? If you read that article yeah. the same way I, I did. I, I would say so, yeah. And then, the, and then the Mets started to structure the deal with like six years guaranteed. Oh, that's but a good it, one, but yeah. But then if he got hurt, some of it wasn't guaranteed. And if he yeah. – they could void the contract. Then he had to get a – he had to get a um, you know, he had he had to get a um, full physical after every after season. every just, season. What if yeah. you got a full physical after every season? I bet you would have failed at least two. I bet seriously, oh, like no, there's right? no doubt, dude. There's no doubt. Yeah. I feel like I was rehabbing every offseason. Yeah, so dude. that, that makes incredible. it such a volatile, un like unsettling. I, I understand why you would turn that down if you're the Boris side yeah. and the, and the Correa side because you're like. You're basically p- painting us into a corner where one, you're you're taking some money away from us, and then two, because all that stuff was back. That's the other part. The Mets were backsiding the deal with more money, and on that backside, they had the physical on top of it. It was just, yeah. I don't want to say it's a scam, but I, I will say it's like it's like in a fantasy football trade when like I offer you three of guys I got off the waiver wire for uh, Pat Mahomes, and you're like, come on, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yes. you know, it, it, that's, that's what, what it that feels like, like that's right? What it felt, that's what it felt like. You could tell it was almost like they made it so that Boris was like, no, we can't, we're not taking that. So they had, an, yeah. they almost had an out. But hey, the winner was the twins because, like they said, they were lingering in. They kept checking in on Boris. It said in the article, they kept checking in saying, how, how are we looking? How we feel? How is it? How's it going? You know, can we get in? Can we get in it? And it sounds like the twins had made a nice offer to Correa 10 years, 280. Right. And it just what you know. Obviously, it was you know whatever forty million less than what he was about to get. Yeah. And then they came in with six for two hundred. Correct. With some incentives on the back end, and they got their guy. Incentives on a back end, which is like, hey, if you're healthy, we're we're willing to pay you all this money. So let's throw some incentives on a back end of our deal. By the way, speaking of that, this is the other fascinating part of their deal. Okay. So on the back end of the deal, it is very much incentive based. This is the coolest thing I I read out of it. And if I were a player, I'd be like, this is awesome because it's on me and it's on how my career goes. If you read that thing, like I did, Sean, it's if he makes if he uh, 
finishes in the top five of the MVP, that uh, that uh, option year, which is so the Twins, I think, have the back end options. Like it's it's I think right. it's like they they get to choose. However, finishing a top five in the MVP, boom, we don't even have an option. You're pe- we're paying you next year an exorbitant like thirty forty million dollars a right. year. It is a very it looks like one of the most fair deals I've ever seen, and very smart by the Twins. And then go back on the front end, he's getting more money with the Twins on the very front end of the deal, the first four or five years, than he would have gotten from either the Giants or the Mets. Or the Mets. Which yeah. is, it's yeah. it's a perfect deal. It's, yes, you're this good. We think you're going to be this good for five years. Guess what? If you're that good for the next five years, we're paying you what you deserve. And it yep. it seems like one of the one of the most impressive deals I've ever seen in, in working in this industry in years, like great job, twins. Like like clap your hands for yeah. that. Well done, yeah. I think. Great job, Scott Boris, too. Well, yeah. I mean, great job, twins coming in. Great job, Scott Boris. Kind of like, you know, listen, it sounded like it was a 28-day saga for him trying to figure that whole thing out. So interesting, man. Just uh interesting yeah. the way it works. It, it does make you think though, Chase. At the end of this article, you know, talk about baseball is such a business. You know, billions and billions of dollars in revenue at the end of it, you know, for the owners and the players and, you know, everybody involved. And Boris is is the number one agent out there, obviously. Um, he's, he signed 13 free agent players th- this offseason for a total of $1.1 billion. $1.1 billion. He says, uh, in the article, it says, it's the third time Boris and his staff have eclipsed $1 billion worth of deals in a single offseason. Listen to his staff. And this is why, as a player, you got to really sit back if you're being um, courted by Scott Boris and say, okay, how do you get better than this? On Scott Boris's um, staff, he has 30 researchers. And I know how important researchers are at, the, at MLB Network. The researchers we have, they, I mean, oh, yeah. dude, you they couldn't you couldn't so talk much. without Matt Baker out no, there. No, you couldn't do that. They, they, <laughs> they, they give you they give you these numbers that are next level, and you're just like, wow, this is incredible that these guys know these numbers. Well, he has 30 researchers. That's how he puts together his arbitration cases. He puts together why these guys are worth 10, 12 year contracts. Um, eight trainers, right? Which is incredible. Six negotiators, five lawyers, two medical review members, and probably you know tons of other people too. But you know, hey, listen, if I'm a player mm-hmm. and I go look at the operation Scott Boris is running, now you're going to give him, I don't know what it is, 10%. I think I think I gave my agent 4%, Michael Moss. But mm-hmm. I look back at, at what an agent does. I mean, that guy, they're the buffer to, to you know, to really hone in and, 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 and negotiate. You know, Ron Shapiro was my agent along with Michael Moss. And, dude, I got a chance to go to arbitration in 2000. And in that room, Ron Shapiro, my agent, was running basically. And Michael Weiner, who was, you know, rest rest in yeah. peace, Michael, who Amazing was the head guy. of the union later. At that point, he wasn't. But they had a lot of great. We had a lot of great lawyers from the, from the union. But Ron Shapiro, my agent, basically ran the case. Right. You know, and it was incredible to watch, you know, the research that he did, the uh, the presentation that he did. And I remember thinking, man, this guy's worth every penny I pay him. Yes. Because, yes. And we ended up. We ended up winning an arbitration case, which ultimately won us four hundred grand more. But I'm just saying, right. even with a contract a few years later, man, the, if you have a good agent, man, they are they are worth every penny. Yeah, and I'll take it to another step. I, I used the term we were talking before this. I, I don't know why this this 
this triggered us both of us. This this is an interesting topic. And I said the term bad cop. You can have your agent be it's goodness from a human one on one standpoint. Like if you were sitting there by yourself without an agent, and you have to start yelling back at them, and you can say certain things that are that are you know like agents. Nobody's getting personal. It's all business. But like. To have that bad cop there for you to do your dirty work because the other side's doing their dirty work too. Let's not, you know, that's, that's life folks. You know, like you get into business, you want to get a job. Oh, what's your, what's your, how much do you think you're worth uh, salary wise? And then they tell you, well, you're not worth that much to have somebody over there going, screw you. He is worth that much. And here's why. And I did all the research for him. Takes so much pressure, right? It's got to take so much pressure off of you. Like, I've heard, like, you know, John Smoltz always did his own negotiations. I know you've done some in in your second career. For me, it's funny. In in, in my industry, like, most people don't need agents in their jobs and in in life. Athletes definitely need agents. I live in this, like, hybrid world where it's, like, you can get an agent as a television producer. But if you get that agent, watch out. Now it's, like, a little more cutthroat. And, like, sometimes, like, people don't want to deal with it. But... I've always been jealous of you guys for being able to have that guy deal with it and so that you don't have to get anything personal between you and your owner and your GM. Because at the very end of the day, if it works out, you still got to walk into that facility, right, in spring training on the first day and shake hands with the guy you've just been punching in the face who's been punching you in the face for six months. Can, can yeah, you walk I us do. through that part? Because that's interesting to me. Dude, I still remember, like, when I went to arbitration – you know, and we won, but you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of arrows being thrown at, that, at those arbitration hearings. I, I was talking the other day because you know, a lot of arbitration, a lot of guys just exchange numbers, and there's certain teams like Kyle Tucker and 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 uh, and, and Christian Vasquez. These guys are are going to arbitration with the Astros, and I think Tucker and them, are, they're they're 1.7 million off or something like that. When I look back, I was 400 grand off my first arbitration, the time I went to arbitration. So it could have easily be done by, you know, 200 grand. Let's meet halfway and be done. And, you know, whatever reason, the Reds didn't get there at the time. But And Jim Bowen, who's a you know dear friend of mine now, but at the time I was a young kid. And, you know, you just, you don't want to go into arbitration and, and have those arrows thrown at you. And I remember Jim telling me, yeah, it's, this is business, not personal. And uh, you can't help but to take it personally, dude. When negotiations are going on, you're going back and forth. You know, and that's the tough thing about any business is that negotiations, you know, you feel like there's going to be a little bit of bad blood. And I remember like going to spring training and still having that, you know, on me a little bit. And Jim and I kind of ironed it out. But, you know, that's why arbitration is never the best thing, because usually if a guy's there, he's he's one of your better players because he's put up some numbers. So he's you're you're negotiating those numbers. The team wants to save money. The player wants to make money. Um, But also, too, you're risking you're risking the relationship blowing up, you know, because you also want your players to be yeah. happy when they're out there. You want them to feel yeah. like, hey, man, we they're want welcome them here. and you, we love you. You're good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But when you're in negotiations, hard negotiations, or you're in, um, you know, arbitration, man, it, there's there's going to be a little bit of bad blood after that. Well put. Yeah, Usually. it's 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 interesting. It's it's anyway. Listen, end end of the day, go read Scott Boris. USA Today with Bob Nightingale because I got to get uh, that's one of the, that's one of the, it was one of the more interesting articles of baseball I have read in months and maybe like a year. Yeah. Well done, that Bob. Right? 
Yeah, well done. Yeah, and you know, and, and, they, and even in the article, they go down and they start to talk about all the other guys that Boris had. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't realize, you know, who he had this offseason, he had Xander Bogarts, uh-huh. he that, who obviously got big money. Mm-hmm. He had Carlos Rodon, who got huge money. Brandon Nimmo back to the Mets, big money. Conforto uh, to the Giants. Yeah. So he had some big players, man. He had some really big, big, really big players, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like like I said, to read that article and see that that the Korea fiasco, I did think in my head too, bro. The, the twins, like, are the fans going to be like, hey, we're you know, I know they're glad we got Korea back, yeah. but also he, he did try to start with the Giants and the Mets. That's a good point. And then came back to the Twins. That's so a bad, very yeah. good point. But I think they're going to be happy to have him. Listen, you yeah. you went for it. God bless you, the yeah, Twins, right, because right. mid market, low budget kind of. You're not talking Yankees, Dodgers. Look, think about that. You didn't go to New York, and you didn't go to California, and you wound up in 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 Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Good for you, Twins. See, I, I'm I'm cheering for both sides. If I'm a Twins fan, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, and he's coming here. Granted, he went there. The money was a lot, but I think he had a good time last year, and I think they love him. I think there's something there. And Boris actually put a bow on it towards the end. He goes, you know what? I think maybe this was just the way it was supposed to be, and we were just driven here. Like, you know what I mean? We always talk about it. Yeah. Divine, not divine intervention, right. but yeah, like... divine intervention. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, no, it, it's always... We say, you know, we were talking about something pretty hardcore a couple weeks ago, and the, the question was... You actually had a question about something where you were really grinding on whether you should do something or not do something, and I said, you know what, Sean? At the end of the day... Whatever decision you make is going to be the decision that was the right decision, right? right I think that's a right. big deal for us. Right. Um, yeah. That said, all right, so let's move on to one other topic. And we were going to talk about this yesterday, uh, but we didn't. And I want to talk about, you know. I got one other thing I want to say oh, about that article, Chitch. Yeah, you look we go, fired because up. Let's go. One, one of the things I thought was interesting was they were talking about the Dodgers not going out and getting a lot of guys because they're waiting for Ichiro's free agency next year. I thought that was interesting. Wait, Ichiro? I mean, not Ichiro. Oh. Um, I mean, uh, Otani. Oh, Otani. Otani. Oh. Two of the best Japanese players of all time. Yeah, Ichiro that's true. and Otani. But I'm talking about Otani. They're waiting for Otani's free agency to come up. Yes. And, you know, and, and, and they were saying the Padres are also talking about it, too. So yes. it's going to be interesting to see the, if the Dodgers go all in. Yeah. And oh, what the Padres well, do, too. That actually brings up one more point to stay on this. I, I was going to ask you this, and I forgot to. So have you – how about when your agent – Let's just say, I'll go back. Who was it with the Mets back in the day? They didn't know what they wanted. Ike Davis or the other guy. There were there were two first basemen on the Mets, and they were both pretty good. And like, whatever. Zach Duda. Duda. Lucas Duda. Duda. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas Duda. Lucas Duda. Lucas I, I want to say, but let's just say it's true for the sake of this argument that Boris had both guys. And so, do you ever look at your agent? Saying like like if your agents if they had another first baseman and when you were both free agents. Did you ever look at your agents like, who are they working harder for right now? Yeah. You know, is that never, a, that's got to be yeah, a weird I, thing, though, I right? I never had that, but I, I do. I did think about that. I never had that happen to me, but, I, yeah, that's definitely definitely something as a player you'd be like, hmm, what's yeah, going on here? Yeah, that's a little right. weird, right? Because then yeah. they can say which team they want you on yeah. for whatever they yeah. want. All right, back to uh, uh, one last topic, and then we can bounce. the. We were talking about football yesterday, and we were talking about, like, when you were in high school and how – you you tell the story all the time how your dad was like you go get it don't let it come to you like you go you go get get there 
And we were talking about Brock Purdy and how crazy the situation is that this guy was the last guy drafted in the NFL. The last. And now I'm about to do a hit in 15 minutes with Matt Castle, who has him over Trevor Lawrence on his on his quarterback of playoff quarterback rankings, and that's Matt Castle, who's a hell of a football player. And it's like, wow, no matter what you say about anything, I think this is just a story for all of us, especially when you're a kid, you're not that good at basketball. Michael Jordan didn't make his varsity team, this and that. It really can happen if you put your heart and your mind and your effort towards things, and you, you're you locked in on, like, mental performance and yeah. being the best you can be and, and being your best self and, and, and give me your... Sean Casey, I want to I want to hear yeah your explanation for how a guy like Brock Purdy gets to where he gets today. Well, that, that that's the toughest thing about t- the hardest thing about being a scout is you can't get inside the heart. You can run all these different tests, to, you know, they got all these personality tests, all this stuff, this and that. But at the end of the day, there's something about a guy's heart that is just can be different. That that intangible, that grit. Sometimes you can't teach grit. Either you have it or you don't, right? And um I just think back to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, you know, like was one of the last picks of the draft too. It was sixth round pick. And he's the greatest quarterback of all time. No one, no one. Because if they thought they would have been a first runner, no one thought Tom Brady was going to do what he did. But guess who thought he was? Tom Brady. Brock Purdy, he has this that same mentality. Give me a shot. Get me in the game. I'll wheel and deal. I mean, just the way he, the way he scrambles, throws on the run, makes things happen you know, gutted it out for a couple first downs, didn't play well in the first half, dominated in the second half, made the adjustment you need to make. I mean, dude, if you're a young quarterback and you're and you're a rookie and and you struggle, it's tough to flip the switch and say, okay, come on, let's go get it going. I mean, for Purdy, some of the things he's done, he he comes out scuffling and then he has so much faith in himself, so much belief in himself, and he says, No, I'm driving the bus. I'm going to start making some plays and taking over. I mean, I, it's an incredible story. It is. And it's amazing what Brock Purdy's doing. And that, and he obviously has some weapons around him with McCaffrey and all those guys. Yep. Um, Samuel, but they're, they're studs. But it's just a great story, man. And it's just another, another thing to say, another story for us to say, yeah, when everyone says you can't, if you believe in yourself that you can, you can. And you just got to keep going and keep moving forward and keep showing up. And when you get the opportunity, knock that door down. As soon as you get a, you get a little opening, bust that door down. And that's what Purdy did. And that's, and that's why we love these stories. I love teeing you up on like grit stuff. You go, so yeah. you're so freaking good. It's at great, that man. It's, it's great. a fact the great stuff. Great yeah. points, dude. I think yeah. we end on that end on a super high note like that. And let's all go out. Let's all go out, start throwing footballs around. Maybe we can all play for the, uh, the Niners <laughs> in the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, right. And yeah, maybe not. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun conversation, man. We I know we didn't, uh, folks at home, we didn't talk about too many, we didn't touch on too many subjects, but I don't know. That was just fascinating to me, and I'm glad we, I'm glad we like dove deep into it. And again, go watch, go check out the, the Nightingale article. Uh, yeah, if you have that's it. great. That's All right. great. All right, brother. All right, Chinchy. Great seeing you, man. Glad to be home. Yeah. And uh, thanks for everybody out there listening. Keep listening. Keep tuning in and subscribing, downloading. Chinchy, I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow, brother. Right, See ya. Buddy.